Jennifer Zhang. Yes, Jacqueline Lopez. Give me three words to describe timeless. Are you ready? I'm so ready. There. <gasps> Having. What? Sex. Oh! This is Seven <laughs> of Wine. <laughs> Exactly the noise we made when they said it in the episode. Hundred percent, you guys. Hi. Oh, hello, stranger. Oh, fancy meeting you here in this quadrant. Is that a phaser in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Oh, are you try? I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jacqueline Lopez. That's Jennifer Zhang. We are back, you guys, for probably the only episode this year. Sorry, we've <laughs> been away. Um, things were happening, um, but. We uh we adore you and love you and we wanted to uh fit this one in. We had good we had like a good year. We had a very good year and I yeah. think that's the reason. You know, Jen's off making movies, um soon to be in a theater near you, and then I'm off doing television, soon to be on a TV screen near you. So mm-hmm. we've had a lot going on and it's not that we want to neglect you guys. And honestly, I was telling Jen I was like so blown away by the fact that The podcast keeps growing. I am just really so inspired by all of you. For people who are just visiting the show because you lost a bet and your friend said, check out this podcast, (laughs) welcome to Seven of Wine. We review episodes of Star Trek Voyager and bottles of wine at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is we started this podcast two years ago. It's going to be two years, I think, come this next February or something. And um, Picard's coming up. Yes. And uh, who's his trusty sidekick? None other than a seven of nine. A seven of nine. Still relevant. Our podcast, still relevant. All I'm saying is if she's been dropped into the new canon, I cannot imagine who else is going to be making appearances. For sure. I think it will go multiple seasons. And I think they're just going to keep inserting um, past Star Trek cast into... All subsequent episodes. So we may get Janeway. Oh I don't God, know. Stop. We might stop. get Janeway. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, nerd Jen, why don't you give us a brief synopsis of Timeless? Of Timeless, yes. So in this episode, <clears throat> a me, me, me. Voyager has installed a new quantum slip seam. Oh my God. <laughs> we haven't even drank the wine no, yet. I'm so I'm still, ru- I'm already rusty. Voyager <laughs> has installed a new quantum slipstream drive. Yes. Basically, Star Trek's answer to Marvel's Bifrost. <laughs> if all goes well, it'll propel them directly from the Delta Quadrant into the Alpha Quadrant, back home. But all does not go well. Nope. And they all die. Yep. <laughs> Except for Harry and Chakotay, who, 15 years later, set out on a mission to change the past and save Voyager from destruction at the hands of Harry's bad math. Yo. Yo. It all makes sense in time. It really does. So we wanted to do an episode that kind of tied TNG to Voyager. And as we know, there were a couple of those episodes that did happen. And Timeless is one of them. So Chateau Picard, for any of you that don't know the reference, um, they're doing a new Picard series. And uh, it's basically taking place after TNG and, you know, and all those other movies. I don't think they're going to wipe them from canon. No. Um, it's, it's been many years since. Exactly. Yeah, and he's like, he's got that itch 
itch for adventure, and just like athlete's foot, can't cure it. Except with a cream. But that cream is in space, and apparently Seven of Nine has it. And that's exactly what I think the whole premise is about. Well, when we first he needs to go to space <laughs> to get the space cream. <laughs> For athlete's foot. Jackie's <laughs> best guess at what Picard is going to be about Picard. is that Picard, getting bored of his life on his vineyard, decides to go to space to look for space cream. He's, he's lost his damn mind. I'm dying. Jen, it writes itself, okay? You're right. I would, I would watch that. Um, I'm ashamed to say. I think everyone would watch it. But enough about space cream, more about this wine. And lo and behold, Star Trek was super smart and they licensed Chateau Picard to an actual um, vineyard in France. So this is a legitimate vineyard that makes Bordeaux wines and they make a Chateau Picard, or at least they slap that name on it. So right in front of me is the Chateau Picard Bordeaux. And uh, yeah, it's legitimately from from France. It's legitimately from France. (laughs) And on the back, um, so on the front, it literally just has a picture of vineyards. It looks of, of just vines. like they just played it straight. It's literally. If you, if you saw this at BevMo, you would not think it has a Star Trek tie-in at all, unless you look at the date. The uh, star date on it is 2386. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, this is future wine. <laughs> Hello, future wine. It's a good year, 2386. Uh, it, was a, it was a very good year. It's a very good year for very wine. Very good year. Um, on the back, it says Chateau Picard. They say a vintner's history is in every glass. The soil he came from, his past hopes for the future. So, to the future. A Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Oh my God. He chose his own quote. He did, actually. Uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard's family roots are in France's premier wine country. I didn't know that. Uh, where the Picard family cultivated the land and crafted premium French wines since late 20th century, a.k.a. 2019. Um... Chateau Picard was well-known throughout the galaxy. This elegant bottle you now hold in your hands was created in honor of the legendary Captain Picard and was created in the actual Chateau Picard in the heart of St. Estef, I'm going to say. France by its third-generation winemakers. This wine is 85% Cabernet Sauvignon, so it's not even a Bordeaux. Mm. Um, It's 85% Cab Sauve and 15% Merlot blood. Okay, so uh, I do like I do like cab heavy things. Well, guess what, baby? Oh. It's all kinds of heavy. He, he mind melded with me. From the future, the supposed commercial for this. If they have commercials in the future, you know, Jean Luc Picard. You know, from from the man that brought you this wine, and also the Battle of Wolf three five nine. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Cheers, Mama. Cheers. I'm so excited. This better not be crap, Jean-Luc Picard. (laughs) Yay, Star Trek. Don't fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) It smells like wine. No, it smells good. Um, There's a little metallic in it. It has a lot of... It does have berry notes in it. I will say that. And... um, As Jackie is sitting here sniffing it, driving it, I've drank drunk half my glass. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just been gone. So do you approve? It is so <laughs> good. Jackie, it is so good. Why does this taste like butter? Oh, fuck. Oh, my 
God. Oh, fuck. Jean-Luc Picard Jean-Luc... tastes so good. Jean-Luc Picard, you old bastard. You old, you old dusty bastard. bastard. This wine is actually really it's palatable. It's so delicious. It's... And the thing is, is because Jen's devouring it right now, she hasn't had a time to let it expose to the elements <laughs> to mellow out. Because it does have some bite, but it mellows out very quickly. Very quickly. It turns right into butter. Well, I can't wait to see what happens when it opens up. Yeah. Speaking of openings, let's get mm, to this episode. Yes. <laughs> it has like one of the best ever. I couldn't, I couldn't believe, I mean, it's a slow burn. So this episode opens up with, um, with these two space people. Yeah. On an icy, on Hoth. And you can't, on Hoth. And you can't even see who they are. They're in like these full body suits. Yes. And it's a slow reveal. Very slow. They're just trudging through ice and then they find a hatch and they go into the hatch and then everything is frozen and we don't know who they are yeah wait they don't even go into a hatch first no they literally just go over this area they have like a little tricorder and then like they're all covered up and the only way that we know they're starfleet at some point because even their faces are covered is at some point one of them finds a destination the other one almost eats it (laughs) and then regains his composure rips open his booby and reveals a com badge hits it talks to delta flyer and says we found them and in one of the more impressive uh, CGI sequences, we pull out to reveal a glacial Voyager. Yeah, it's like a, a wide expanse of ice, and it's only at an extreme elevation that they've pulled all the way up into that we see that it's Voyager encased in, in ice. Absolutely. So we get the opening titles after this big reveal, like, why is Voyager in ice? Oh, Who geez. are these people? Yeah. What are they doing? So anyways, they beam into the ship, and it's revealed that it is none other than an older mm-hmm. Chakotay and Harry Kim. Yep. We can tell they're older because Chakotay looks exactly the same, but his hair is a little gray, and Harry has a gray mullet. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, they go inside and everything, and they basically take a walk Around the bridge. They do, because they, they try to they try unsuccessfully to get everything back online. Online, yeah, you're right. Because um, they don't know the extent to which the damage has been done to the ship. Um, and then, yes, they take a walk. A very morbid walk around the bridge. Yeah. So, yeah. the cool thing about uh, dying on an ice planet, you guys, is you're preserved perfectly. Perfectly. So, um, and, you know, all you really have to worry about is what position you die in. Case in point, Tom Paris, he just looks like he's sleeping. Yeah, he just, which he looks like he's sleeping in his pilot chair, which, you know, is probably how he looked in life. Yeah, I would have <laughs> Most of the time, too. As in life. As in life. As in death. So he's frozen uh, solid. Uh, Jen Zhang, 100%, would still smash. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince. Uh, sources shh, say? Shh, just let it happen. <laughs> Moving on to um, our beloved Janeway who is in a Vogue recline, and then we have Seven. And that's really, that was their target person to find, was Seven. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, really? The thirst? You couldn't, you couldn't hold it back? But nay, they beam her to the Delta Flyer. Directly to the Delta Flyer. And she's perfectly preserved. Yes, of course she is. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Um, and we, we don't yet know what all this is about, because they're fairly dispassionate about their discovery of the crew. You would think that there'd be some kind of some level of horror, but this is very clinical so far. It really is. So we still, as an audience, do not know what the F this is all about. All we know is that two of them are old as fuck. Yep. And everybody else dead. Is dead and fine as hell. Dead and fine as hell. And so I believe um, Harry Kim, now whatever, mm-hmm. uh, mullet Harry Kim, um, 
activates the doctor. Yep, he goes to the 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 sick bay. And the thing is, the doc, of course, uh, and this they use this trope. They use this device a lot in this episode <laughs> where they bring him back online and he has no idea what's happened. <laughs> He's always... He, he always no- starts, please state the nature of that. What, what the hell? Why is, there, why is there snow in my sickbay? Why? Um, and then he's been informed because uh, he, he demands answers even though they want He demands him. an explanation. He demands an explanation and they need him to go immediately with them to go look at something, which we know is the corpse of Seven. But um, he demands an explanation and Chakotay says, I'll give you an explanation. We're here to change history or whatever it is We're he here says. to change history. So with that cryptic note, we're, uh, we have an additional clue into what all is happening. It's been 15 years. Um, they they head to the Delta Flyer, yeah. which they've brought back. It's the same Delta Flyer, mm-hmm. apparently, um, where they've got Seven's corpse, and they need the doctor to basically. Uh, there, there is one thing on her corpse <laughs> that they need. Ooh, what is that, Jen? Like a fourth of her skull, bruh. Legit, you go. <laughs> it was so disturbing. So yeah, so basically, they're going to need to excavate that to get to her Borg implants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get to the implants, let's go back to what happened. What happened was, so we're, we're starting to figure out like the, the pace of this episode. We're yeah. going to bounce back and forth between the future, the catastrophic snowy future, and the events leading up to this horrible hellscape of ice. Yes. Yes. Um, and so we get our flashback, a delightful flashback. Oh, so delightful. That is, is very much the opposite of what we just have witnessed with our own eyes. Um, our eyeballs. It is a un... It is, it is like an unusual day on Voyager because there's confetti everywhere. They've synthesized a bunch of a synthahol. Ooh, um, they fancy. The party, n- not on the bridge, no, where you, you guys, think it is. Here we go. This is, it's actually in the engine room. Oh, you guys, it's the best party ever. Oh, <laughs> science. Which, <laughs> Bolan <laughs> has never had this many people in there. It's like crazy. I was, I was, yeah. So she, of course she comes out with a bottle and smashes it. Smashes it against their newly christened um, quantum slipstream drive, which I believe in this case they've actually installed in place of the warp core. Yeah, so it's basically, and you notice like the set designers did a really like very subtle way of just creating an extra hull around their normal warp core. You see it's a little bulkier, it's a little beefier. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're having the time of their lives and just celebrating because the fact is with this, with this, um, science, they're going to be able to jump into the alpha quadrant lickety split. Exactly. What could go wrong? Yeah. You know, cause all they did was adapt some Borg technology and bada bing, bada boom. We bada know, boom. we know, we know Borg tech better than the Borg do. And, uh, we're going to get to the alpha quadrant and we're going to, uh, base it on the schematics <laughs> from, uh, our ensign here, Mr. Harry Kim. Mm-hmm. And everybody's having the time of their life. The time you know? of their life. I mean, Chakotay, you know, Janeway saying, hey, Chakotay, what are you doing later? And Chakotay's like, oh, I'm having dinner with my microwave. And she's like, belay that order. You're having dinner with me. Because nothing like, gets her going. Then <laughs> science. Say she it was, again, slipstream. Ooh. 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 <laughs> and so uh, they're going to have sex later. And, um, and then. That's headcanon. That's headcanon. Uh, Jack and Jen had canon. And then um, Seven is drunk as a skunk that, over a glass of wine. Yes, and that scene is the mo- is one of the most adorable Seven scenes of all of Voyager, because she's staring at her hand in the <laughs> most confused way. And when the doctor catches up with her, she's very concerned that her um, 
her visual cortex or something is malfunctioning. I will say though, if, if there was ever a more space way of showing the friend zone, it was that <laughs> moment right there. Yes. Like you have always been a mentor to me. Yes. If the doc ever had a doc boner. Moop, 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 moop. Man down. Man Hashtag down. man down. Hashtag man down. Hashtag space cream. He offers to take her to the, the sick bay in order to like get rid of the drunkenness, which I don't know why he just lets her be drunk. Come on. It's her first, it's her first being drunk. Yeah. And then you Let know, the girl get lit. And Let her get crunk a little bit, doc. Jesus 100%. Christ. And if anything for science, cause we've never seen a Borg drunk. Yeah. I would, I would tabulate the, the, just put her, you know, just make sure she doesn't drive the ship or something. For science. But for, as, si- for science. For science. You know what? Let, let the hot blonde get drunk. For science. For science. But as he's leading her away, she does that great speech. She's just like, you are my mentor. Then she goes, we are as one. We are as one. <laughs> and Jerry Ryan, if you don't say that in the new Picard series, I swear to God, I'm going to throw something at my screen. Probably my cat. He won't be happy. <laughs> Um, no, it was, it was a really touching moment. So everyone, literally, everybody is happy. Everybody. Except. Except. Hot McFlyer, Tom Paris. And he's the last person. I, this actually struck me as really funny because <laughs> if there's anybody that would be. Sprung. All about party time. Yes. On the ship, it would be tom paris but he's like running diagnostics at a panel it's very weird it's very out of character for me to see him this way but i mean <laughs> Jen, it's for me he's for me. you know full forget full of, all your opinions for me i'm very concerned with the fact that he's not being a party boy yeah come on why aren't you having fun tom what's tom, going on tom why aren't you raging tom yeah come on tom come on tom um and the reason why he's running all these diagnostics is because uh for some reason it's tom that figures this out but there is a variance that he can't seem to get around every time he runs a simulation. And the, the variance has the uh, potential of catastrophically pretty much dismantling Voyager as it travels through the slipstream. Mm-hmm. Like this thing could just like explode it or, or, or do other stuff that we don't want to happen. 100%. So the big issue is, is, is Harry Kim is like, look, we have the convenience of the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Let's debunk your theory. Because, you know, Harry Kim has a lot riding on this. It's Harry Kim showing up and going, excuse me, Tom, are you checking my work? Yeah, what? Um, Don't look. Bruh. Stop looking at my work. Why you gotta waste my flavor? So they go to the holodeck and they run the simulations to give Tom a peace of mind. Uh, but it's never, uh, that slice was never dealt. No, I think they run it 46 times, they say, right? I thought it was 23, but we can double okay. it. You like legitimately <laughs> did the math and doubled it. But I think it's because he said 23 calculations, 23 failures. And, mm-hmm. and... Every time it happens, there's a destabilization and all this different stuff. And mm-hmm. Tom Paris is like, look, we're dying every time we have to tell the captain. Yeah. And sure enough, they tell the captain. So they have everybody congregated in the engine room. And uh, there's no denying the fact that if they proceed with plans as they currently are, um, they stand a 100% chance of blowing up. Ooh, we don't want to live. No, it's not good. No. Um, it's not good news for anybody. But... Harry has this incredible, for whatever reason, Harry's extremely gung-ho about um, helming this mission. He's like charging around telling everyone that he's going to be the one that hey, like... Hey, look, Jen, he came up with a clarinet solo and he really <laughs> wants his parents to hear it, okay? He just really, you know what? He dedicated it to the, them and he just really wants them to hear this. 
and they just let him the whole crew just lets him charge around acting like he knows his shit but they won't promote him they won't promote him and but they put their life in his hands right so yeah so um so he basically goes look i have a workaround and you know balana's all angry we double checked every molecule and they go look the variance is gonna fuck us up but we have a plazan and the plazan is that the delta flyer go ahead cat and and take the calculations of the slipstream as it hits the Delta flyer sends it back to Voyager Mm -hmm. and Voyager can adjust accordingly. Yeah. So the Delta flyer will basically act as an extension of Voyager to counter whatever variants are going to happen. And I I believe the, the thing is it's because of the mass of Voyager that would make it so that, you know, the variances would catastrophically like tear it apart, but the Delta flyer is small, right? And if it flies just a few seconds ahead, which is all they can afford. Yep. Um, so this is where the risk happens is that, um, they only have a window of a few seconds for the Delta flyer to be collecting the data on the variances, um, and to be sending them back to the ship, and the ship needs to be making those adjustments pretty much in real time on the fly. They only have a window of several seconds to do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it's risky. It's very risky as it is. Yes. Um, but for whatever reason, with no basis for his you know, confidence whatsoever, Harry thinks he can do it. And even the freaking Borg is like, yeah, let's be in it. So Janeway says, we're going to do it. Yep, we're she's, gonna we're gonna make it happen. Well, she says they're gonna think about it. That's right. Yeah. yeah so she says we're gonna think about it, and then she goes, "Hey, Chakotay, that dinner." And I go, "Yes, please." And yeah, she sits there and she basically talks to Chakotay, and she says, "Hey, I'm making you food." And I was like, "Yeah, you are." But then that's not what they're talking about. And she says, "I'm gonna let him do it." And I think this is the plot point that's important. She says, "You are going to be in the Delta Flyer with Harry Kim." Yep. And this dinner becomes more than just a flirty Ooh. flirty little rendezvous mm-hmm. where she's made her grandma's special biryani yeah. but basically it becomes a celebration dinner because as she says confidently it's their last night in the delta quadrant ominously ominously i don't know i think they did it after this i think you know what they were giving each other the looks they were they, that was a really tight frame i know what a look looks like jen what does it look look like it looks like this oh jen stop it <laughs> Here's a little peek behind the curtain. I didn't even do a look. I know, that's why. Jackie's Ooh. just that good of an actress. You guys, and see. So what happens is they have the little face sex moment, and then he puts the pad down, and we see that pad encapsulated in ice. And uh, we cut basically back to the doctor. Back to the future. Back to the future. Great, Scott. And they're, they're basically, they're trying to, they, this is the part of the story where they reveal why they've come all this way. Because um, in the 15 years since... They've flown, they've made it back to the Alpha Quadrant. Um, It's never been off of Harry's mind that he had failed Voyager. Yes. And he and Chakotay have spent their entire lives ever since trying to, like, utilize Starfleet's resources, like, their good graces to try to get back to Voyager and run rescue missions, right? And the thing that gives Harry the confidence that they can do something is the fact that they have with them now a... Borg, it's like I, I a Borg the, transmitter. It's like a Borg transmitter that has some kind of temporal aspect to it. Yeah, they found it in the Beta Quadrant, and they basically they basically quote unquote borrowed it mm-hmm. from Starfleet. So they they basically have the reason why they've come back to salvage specifically Seven of Nine's corpse is because her um, her brain, her cortical implant, her Borg tech in her brain has her, an interplexing beacon ooh, that. Ooh is what is used to communicate with other Borg. 
right? Yep. So if they can use this Borg technology they have, which is that like temporal transmitter, they can send a message back through time specifically to be received by somebody who has this Borg implant, <clears throat> seven, um, and prevent disaster, hopefully. So basically, it's not 4G or 5G, it's Borg G. <laughs> Quit it. Got him. (laughs) These nuts. Um, I would hate to be a Borg because of that. Yeah. Could you imagine? Where are you getting these messages from? God damn it, Ma, from the future. See, what is your head is like a constant DM box. Oh my God. I'd be so angry at life. Yeah. I'd be so angry. Get all this crap. Turn off notifications. (laughs) I just blink twice. And so we, Chakotay and Harry both have different demeanors right Chakotay a little bit less Chakotay a little bit less because it's revealed that he's getting he's getting regular action Harry not so much Harry is marked by um PTSD essentially he's a hardened angry um unhinged version of the Harry that we know Chakotay faring a little bit better because apparently since he's returned back to the Alpha Quadrant um, he's been able to be helped through his trauma by a lady love named Tess who, or Tessa, who's, Tessa who's now with them on this mission. Yeah. Um, they're going to send this signal back to, uh, the past, mm-hmm. um, to try to get the right variant coordinates. Harry Kim has corrected his math, mm-hmm. says he. It only took 15 years. It only took 15 years, but he's going to do the right maths. Yeah. He's going to send it back. <laughs> And uh, he's going to fix the timeline. Yes. Although we should we should make a call back to the three words that started this episode when we said that it's they're having sex. Yeah. Because the doctor has this question about uh, who is she? Who is she? What is uh? What's going on here? What's her deal? Yeah. And Harry goes, they're having sex. Oh my god! It was so <laughs> angry. He was really not happy about it. So layered. So, so layered. layered. But, you know, that's basically what's implied is that that dick is so good. It's like, you know, that's what's her deal in all this. They're having sex. That Chakotay dick is yeah. so good that she's willing to basically erase all of existence that for That Chakotid D <laughs> makes you want to go back to the past. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because the future without it is a bleak one. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Picard wine. Holy crap. Chateau Picard. So, of course, we're thinking, oh, they got a plan. They're going to execute it. But nay, we got to throw a wrench in the system. And mm-hmm. that wrench is the Federation. Basically, when Harry and Chakotay arrived, there was a lot of, of pomp and circumstance, a lot of fanfare. It was wonderful. And the Federation was on their side in terms of let's find Voyager. Since mm-hmm. you guys came, they're probably, they're not too far behind. But as time went on... Um, even though Harry felt like they were getting closer and closer to where Voyager may have landed, um, the Federation ended up falling out of the search. They wanted to abandon looking for Voyager. Which is bureaucracy for you, right? Yeah, 100%. This this is something that throughout the Star Trek universe and... um, it comes up over and over again is that at the end of the day, the Federation isn't necessarily this heroic, amazing thing. It's a bureaucracy, you know, and, and, um, and when things become impractical to continue funding, to continue pursuing, they have to act as a bureaucratic organization would do and like, you know, decommission it. And that's what happened here was that the chances are, I can't remember how they phrased it in the, the episode, but when they assess the situation, 
right? It didn't seem like the chances of recovering Voyager were um, good. Mm-hmm. They were way too low for it to be worth it. So they abandoned it. Um, really sad for Harry because he's lived pretty much with this one resounding memory that he killed all his friends. Yeah, pretty much. No big whoop. Just yeah. killed all your friends. No big whoop. Messed up a little yeah. and murdered everyone. Yeah, so what ends up happening is he basically goes, when they stopped trying, I stopped wanting to be a part of Starfleet. Yeah. And he and Chakotay have made it their prime directive to try to get back and salvage Voyager for the sake of keeping that crew alive. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, as we made mention, the Borg transmitter that they did decide to quote-unquote borrow, uh, it, it's got like basically a LoJack system on it. And lo and behold, Georgie LaForge. Yes, Georgie LaForge. Yeah, this is our TNG tie-in. Wow, we did it, you guys. Even and though I don't believe he's in Picard yet. They haven't mm, yet announced we it. We got speculation over but here. But we, we I wonder because, you know, uh, LeVar Burton is still a very viable actor who's active. 100%. So I don't see why he wouldn't at some point in the series make a, an appearance. I think he arrives on a reading rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> but he... He is, LeVar Burton is the one that directed it. He he makes his little appearance here. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so what ends up happening is they done found the transmitter. So now all of a sudden the Delta Flyer is in a star battle, essentially, with the USS Challenger. Yes, which now is helmed by Captain Jordy LaForge. Ooh. And this is, what's really cool about this is the fact that Star Trek in general as a franchise, will show you where everybody is kind of advanced to. Yeah. Right? Like, we know in from, uh, I think it's Star Trek Nemesis, uh, the movie where um, Catherine Janeway makes an appearance. Admiral. Yes, exactly. By mm. then, it's revealed when she does a little transmission with uh, Picard that she's an admiral. So we're like, oh, cool. So when Janeway made it back, she made it all the way to admiral. Yeah, she did. Um, yeah. Here we see that Jordy LaForge has risen in the ranks and now he's captain of his own ship and one of his missions is to stop these rogues he basically shows up to be a party pooper yeah he finds his way to the delta flyer with chakotay and harry and he's like hey don't do that yeah and my favorite part is i love pointing it out is he goes hey look man i'm a captain now (laughs) of this ship you wouldn't want to do this to the people on my ship who think of me as a captain, right? Yeah, you don't want to erase this reality where yeah. I totally win and I'm a badass. <laughs> you guys, I like this. Uh, I like this uh, simulation of The Sims. Yeah, look, it's you know, it's not broke. Don't fix it. You guys, what look. You guys doing? All I'm saying is, I look cool as a captain, right? 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 Got these new eyes, right? They look right? pretty nifty. Don't have to wear that space visor anymore, right? So he's like, "Hey, don't do that," and they're like, "But we're gonna give <laughs> what? Give no fuck. We're gonna." He's like, "Well, we're gonna shoot ya." Yeah. So basically, yeah, they have this like heart to heart moment where they're like, you know, like they're like, "We're gonna," you know, uh, LaForge goes, "We can't stop you," and then Chakotay goes, "You know, I can't let you take us in." There's like a respect between them. It's a really, Even it was though- a very much like you know old time warfare where like you meet. Mm-hmm. You have that little tete-a-tete where you're kind of like, yo, we're going to fuck you up. Yeah, we're going to fuck you up. Can we make it, you know, can we make a peace treaty now? All right, bounce. Yeah. And yeah, there was a very civil exchange before the carnage. And you, you got you to gotta imagine because, um, of course, it's all told in flashback, but you have to imagine that um, Chakotay and Harry have a special f- place in Federation history, being the only survivors of, you know, this ship that was lost right? It's, yeah. a, it's a big deal. Not only that, when they arrived back, we're, we're kind of assuming, we're filling in blanks here, that the slipstream technology that um, Voyager had pioneered to get back there probably influenced Starfleet tech. tech. Yeah. Which is why, because they, they point out the fact that it took 
It's been 15 years, right? Yes. So if we read between the lines here, we know how far Voyager is from the Alpha Quadrant, which is like 70 years, right? When Voyager crashes on that Hoth-looking planet, mm-hmm. um, it's only a couple parsecs away from the Alpha Quadrant. So for all intents and purposes, it gets as far as beta, I want to say. I want right. to argue if, if I know my space measurements. Right, right. So, but, yeah. So they've, they've pioneered some kind of technology. Uh, Regardless, where, yeah. Yeah, where everyone can kind of travel just a little bit faster. Yeah. I'm assuming, right? It's, it took 15 years for them to, to get back there. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, uh, so they're firing on them. Yeah. So, so this is where it gets a little back and forth and it's going to be kind of hard to navigate when we're talking about it, but it really, all of this stuff is now, we're culminating into this big climax and it's all happening in real time. Yeah. You're just assuming it's all, you know, everything that's happening on the Delta flyer now in the future is immediately affecting things happening in the past. Exactly. So we cut back to um, Voyager and they're getting ready to put together this whole shenanigan uh, operation. Everyone feels real good about it. You guys, it feels super super great about it. So Chakotay and Harry Kim are on the Delta Flyer. Harry Kim's doing the maths, no biggie. And everybody else is on Voyager and they're super excited to get home so much so that uh Janeway leaves a captain's log that goes just in case we don't make it everybody was cool everyone acted with distinction and valor that's her line she has a way with words Janeway Janeway. she's just amazing she's so good I love her so what we expect as an audience is we're gonna see them die no (laughs) oh no them live (laughs) right (laughs) more wine Jackie yes please Picard (laughs) what are you doing to me Yes, I'm saying this away from the mic. I know, I was going to say, maybe we should wait. I'm going to yell it from over here. Okay. So, guys, the expectation. The expectation. The expectation is that, um, is that they're, now that Harry is able to communicate um, via, with the doctor's help via the transmitter, the transmitter in the completely dismantled seven of nine skull um, that they're going to be able to send the correct coordinates back, crisis averted, everything's going to be fine. Yes, they're going to fix it. They're going to fix it, you guys. So uh, that's what we expect to see. So yeah. sure enough, in the past, we see um, like the variants starting to create uh, like turbulence in the slipstream. Yep. Right? So as predicted in like the holodeck simulation, we're starting to see the chain of events that are going to lead to the mm-hmm. breakdown. Harry sends uh, incorrect coordinates or he doesn't send coordinates. He can't get them. There's so, something going on. So that's so that's the first sign of essentially what really went wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Because what ends up happening in actuality, ooh, that's actually a weird thought. But what actually happens in actu- in, in actuality is the minute that the slipstream starts to uh, destabilize, Harry loses calm transmissions. Yes. Back to the bridge, right? Which means did they ever send coordinates in the first place? That's true. It's <gasps> interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of messed up. And then um Oh my God. That's what I'm saying. So they never send coordinates. They never send coordinates, <gasps> Jen. So the, so the wrong coordinates from the we're very start always were sent always from the, from the future. That's so whack. So spoiler alert to like five <laughs> seconds from now. Um, <laughs> basically, they lose the comm link enti- entirely. And Seven gets a transmission, the one that we are currently seeing ban- being transmitted. She says, wait, I'm getting something in my in my Borg brain, right? Yeah. Um, on a frequency that's only used by Borg people. Yes. And Janeway's like, uh, would they have, does Harry have access to your Borg, Borg stuff? She's like, no. Janeway's like, nah, he probably got it. Yeah, he got it. Don't worry <laughs> about it, sis. It's cool. So <laughs> she gets these new, co- that, that is so clever and right? you just figured it out right now. So Seven gets these coordinates. Chateau Picard. Brain fuel. <laughs> 
Seven gets these coordinates. She goes, uh, yeah, so these are these. Whatever, these are the coordinates. They plug them in. Um, and um, what you think is going to be their salvation ends up being the reason why they crash land. Yeah. So thanks to Harry's math from the future, 15-year-old Harry brain, um, we see this. And Jen and I were talking about this. That's argue, insane. Right? I know. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I just thought about that Holy right now. Um, we see what I argue up until um, Endgame is arguably one of the better special effects CGI moments of Mm -hmm. Voyager. You know, like sometimes we saw these like space cannons, like let's be honest when we saw that one with like, you know, uh, freaking Janeway being like, uh, you know, like Ripley from alien, that snot machine that she was facing. We're all like, what was this CGI? But this crash landing Voyager is probably one of the better graphics. Like it was very impactful and you see the demise and it's just the way that it, it swoops in you know, like it's, it's made mention of earlier in the episode that everybody died upon impact. And you basically see this snow, this, this Voyager just creating to its death. So we see that everything went wrong Mm -hmm. and we think, holy crap, they did it again. They did it again. They fucked everything up again. And that affects this, what you just revealed affects everything. (laughs) It really does. Because Harry's reaction, he, he has a freak out because he, he legitimately has been suffering for 15 years with this PTSD, this this memory of him having killed all his friends mm-hmm. and it's just happened again in his mind. It's just happened again. Yeah. We know now yeah. that it was never, it was, he, it, he had always he started, had it. always been the one that started it. Mm-hmm. So he, he screams, he has his, like, he has a lapse. He's like, I just killed all my friends again. Yeah. Freaked and, out. Yeah. And, and the doc is basically like, nut up because as this is happening. So basically Harry Kim is sitting there, he's standing on the, uh, near, near this cortical implant and he goes, we're still here, which means it didn't work. Meanwhile, you know, Delta Flyer is throwing its little rocks at the giant tank that is USS Challenger. Yes. And Challenger goes, fuck this shit, throws a beam on, uh, on the uh, attractor beam on Delta. And it's like, all right, enough, enough shiggles, enough shits and giggles, you're coming in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so now they're on a, on a time crunch because, you know, the minute that they're get, they get boarded by the Federation, game over. It, it's game over. So Chakotay and the new love of his life, who's not Janeway, <laughs> gross, um, basically Chakotay's trying to buy more time for Harry Kim and for the doc. To do something. To do something. Some kind of Hail Mary. And he basically goes, hey, Tessa, is because they're getting the tractor beam, he looks at his new beloved and says, is there any way that we can send energy and do some kind of plasma disengagement from the tractor beam? And she goes, yeah, but it might destabilize the warp core inside of this here Delta Flyer. And Chakotay's like, bitch, we ain't going to be here soon, so let's do it. Yeah. And uh, she Yolo. does it. YOLO indeed. They do it and true to form and true to catastrophe. Um, so they do dis the good news is we broke free from the tractor beam. <laughs> yep, bad bad news. Bad news. Um, we're of course destabilizing on the Delta uh flyer, Ooh. and we have 45 seconds to uh right the wrong in history. Because otherwise they're just space dust. And they're space dust, they're space cream. And they're, they're space cream. <laughs> I love that we made it work. We're making it work. That's what I'm we gonna, do. Girl. I brought overalls back. I'm going to bring space cream. Make it work. We're making it work. So now uh, it's the do or die moment, and the doctor is the one that inspires the final change. He he asks, um, because it's never been, the goal has always been to try to get Voyager home with them. Mm-hmm. Um, what if they just don't bring Voyager home? Yeah. Right? The, the doctor suggests to Harry, like, you know, what if you send them coordinates that'll just kind of 
dissipate the warp, the slipstream entirely. Yeah. So that it doesn't destroy Voyager. There's nothing to slip out of. They just kind of are floating wherever the fuck they're floating. 100%. So what if we make it that it never, it never gets to that point? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this is round two. Yeah. Fight. Round two. We literally have like 30 seconds left. And the problem is because the warp core is destabilizing, the power is starting to fail Mm -hmm. on the back end of the Delta flyer. So basically in a Hail Mary attempt, um, the doc sacrifices himself essentially mm-hmm. for um, in order for his mobile emitter to be the power source enough to get the transmission to uh, Voyager in the past. And so it's such a clever storyline plot point to allow that there is an inevitability that the ship is going to die anyway. So you don't really feel you already feel the martyrdom of this of this motley crew is inevitable Mm -hmm. so now we're just hoping that the outcome happens the way it needs to happen yeah there's no more tries after this there's no more so three two one the war and and here's laforge going like oh my bad we'll beam you out and everybody's like fuck you man you made this happen even though you know we had that cute little bonding moment we almost kissed sorry that's jacqueline's headcanon but yeah and then so basically um harry kim plots in the time coordinates and he he shouts in glee and then is obliterated. Yep. He goes, yes. And then kapoom. Kapoom. By mullet. By mullet. By Harry's a horrible leather jacket. <laughs> it was so great, you guys. <laughs> and his brooding low voice. Uh, yes. Goodbye, bad boy Harry. Bad um, boy Harry. And we go back to the Voyager where Seven gets the coordinates. She plugs them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing just kind of pew, loses its boner. Yeah. It, like legit, it the, like the loses stream. its loses its drive. It does. It yes. It, they all drop out of this slipstream. It's gone. It's gone. Bye bye. And everybody's confused. Mm-hmm. And then Janeway basically, in true in true Janeway and poor Harry form, talks to the Delta Flyer and goes, "Harry, what the fuck, man?" Yeah. And he goes, "Yo, I never had communications with you." He's like, "We put those coordinates in that you sent." Oh, I never sent coordinates. Dun dun dun. dun. Confusion. Confusion. A new fragrance by Calvin Klein. (laughs) (laughs) So we're basically in the mess hall Mm -hmm. because that's where, uh, you know, Harry Kim likes to uh, check out schematics. On his uh, laptop. His his five-inch laptop. He's just by himself with his thick-ass, girl, that laptop laptop is thick. Girl, you laptop action is thick, though. It's thick, though. <laughs> um, and Janeway comes in in her beautiful magnificence. He's sitting there in the dark, being, and, being sad. Yeah, and she basically goes, look, bruh, um, you sent these coordinates. Yeah, and he's like, what? He's like, old lady, did you get into the space cream again? <laughs> hey, lady, why are you touching Neelix's space cream, though? So it's it's an interesting choice, I think, that they made here. I thought, yeah, you were because saying that this. They could have easily just left the episode with, um, what happened? We don't know. Because Voyager, Star Trek in general will sometimes do this, where there'll be some change, nobody knows what happened, and they just accept that there was something in the, you know, like, Star Trek is really big on the contribu- that the contributions of certain crew members are never recognized Right. That's like a hallmark of bravery is knowing that you're never going to be celebrated for the sacrifices you made. So this episode could have gone in two ways. They could have just had it hang on that, Mm -hmm. like some uh, Voyager episodes have done. Um, But this episode chose to actually reveal to everybody involved what actually happened. Right. So Janeway comes in and she sits down with Harry and she tells him like, um, 
because he's like, I screwed, I screwed up. I don't know. The, the big question is, uh, he said, I, I ran, I ran the, the simulations right now on my laptop. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the coordinates I gave you would have destroyed us. Yeah. It, it, or that I tried to give you would have destroyed us. So the question is, because so he's basically in a pity hole. Yeah. He's like, I could have killed all of us. Yeah. So he's already experiencing his own kind of trauma here. She's like, and he's like, I don't know who sent you the correct coordinates. And she's like, oh, a guardian angel. Yeah, a guardian angel. And he's like, but who? And she goes, it seems like our guardian angel was you. Right. What? <laughs> What? So they full on reveal everything. Yeah. And it was really interesting because it is that aspect of we, you know, basically freaking um, seven of nine did a star 69 on her Borg implant and goes, this message came from the future. Mm -hmm. It had a Federation code attached to it. Mm -hmm. And that code came from you. Yeah. And she said that transmission came with a message. And I think there's this very touching moment where... Harry Kim is trying to make sense of all of this, and that's what makes freaking Mulgrew a boss-ass bitch, but also Janeway, and that she comes through and says, look, dude, no matter what was going to transpire, somewhere in the future, you'll come through for us. Yeah. And it's just, it's moments like that where sometimes the writing, you're like, what the fuck is this? And then they have these moments and these frames. It's like LeVar was like, okay, Mulgrew, you're going to sit there, we're just going to hold, you're going to hold focus and you're going to change lives. And ladies and gentlemen, she changed mine. With her face. With her face. But it's, it's interesting because there, the couple of things that are interesting about this are one, there would have been some kind of poetry in having future Harry just remain an unsung hero. Yes. Because his life in those 15 years has amounted to pretty much nothing. Yeah, it's a tragedy. It's been tragedy the whole time. Yeah. If in the end you know, his contribution amounted to just erasing his own existence. It would have been poetic, but they chose in this episode, the writers chose to make it so that even though he now technically no longer exists, he exists in a transmission. And that brings me to point number two, which is this interesting paradox that Harry points out to Janeway and that she dismisses in favor of saying the touching thing, which, which you pointed out is that he goes like, well, so if I was the one that's, saved us in the future then that future never would have happened so how the heck would i have would that future have existed for the past to be saved yeah basically it's like the looper issue yeah right the looper issue that is if we made if we made that future never exist how does that future exist to make us so that we don't make that future exist right and janeway does the thing that bruce willis does in looper which is hey Don't worry about it. Um, And then basically in the transmission, Mullet Kim talks to Harry Kim and says, look, man, I saved you. You owe me one kind of situation. And it's funny that he says that because... Yeah, 100%. it's, It's an interesting thing only in that he can't technically owe him one. He doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But it's... I think they were trying so hard to paint future Harry as being some kind of 90s bad bad boy he's a bad boy he's always gonna say things that are like one-liners right like hey, legit like he was like throughout one, the kid. entirety of this thing it was like one-liner kim yeah for yeah. sure they're having sex they're having sex that was a zinger so um we're left with the the warm feels we're left with the warm feels harry doesn't feel like he fucked up even though we know he did in the future yeah um but i think you know what so and that's the end of the episode except that's- they they do reveal that they dismantle this 
you the know, slipstream drive. And however, that it that while they were in it before it went wonky, they did shave ten years off their voyage, and that it that alone has renewed their motivations to continue their journey. Exactly. There's like new, there's a new spring in their step. Hey guys, I'm skipping over to the holodeck. Hip, 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 hip. So, um, and therein ends timeless. And, um, I have a lot of thoughts, but overall, I think what's so great about it is it made us open this bottle of Chateau Picard. Jen, now that we're at the end of the episode, before we delve into all of the rest of the feels, what do we think of this wine? It's actually got more bite now that it's opened up. What? Yeah, take a it. sip. Let me know if it bites you back. Ow! But I like it. Right? <laughs> Hurt me so good, Picard. Picard. <laughs> you devil, you. It's, and it's still delicious. Um, it smells so good, you well, guys. Well done. Whoever this... Whoever the, the, the um, vineyard that they commissioned to make these did a really excellent job. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say? It doesn't really open up a lot. It's pretty stable. Like whatever, whatever flavors you got in the beginning when you first opened this bottle up, they're pretty much going to be there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's going to be really interesting. I actually am really tempted because it is a Bordeaux. Well, it's not a Bordeaux. It's, it's, it's mostly Cab. It's mostly Cab. It's mostly, and, and it's a little bit more low, but it is a French wine. Mm-hmm. So you can keep it for a long, for a bit. So I'm very curious to see what an older bottle. So I will, I think mm. I will keep a bottle of this. I'll bury it somewhere it. in Los Angeles. I have no idea. And I'll, I'll make a treasure map and then I'll come back to it 15 years bury later. Bury it under ice. Oh my God. Perfect idea. Just what I was You're thinking. You're not going to be able to do it. Polar ice caps are melting. Every, every bit of ice is going to melt. So yeah. So basically it's going to resurface in like a, a year. Yeah, it'll bob, bob around in the ocean. You know, we'll find it. Some, a, a whale, whale will eat poop it. it out. <gasps> oh, what the heck? Mine melt. That was weird. Oh, that was weird. That was so weird. We're so in sync. Uh-huh. On many levels. No, so what ends up happening is this was the 100th episode of Star Trek Voyager. So they were wow. trying to make it a a very paramount was trying to make it a paramount moment. And I think it was really well executed. I think this is one of the better, well-rounded episodes. And you know, the funny thing is, is again, I am a complete noob to Star Trek. Yes. Even now. Um, and Voyager is basically my original series, my original franchise. Only thing that I love about Star Trek. Um, this episode well voyager deals with time travel a lot a lot a lot a lot and the gift of this episode is it does it in a very palatable way yeah. i feel easy very easy to to digest they don't do too much complexity you're only dealing with two points in time yes um and despite the paradox which is they you know i'm glad they addressed it because nerds would have picked it apart oh 100 yeah. they're very self-aware when it comes to the science yeah the temporal stuff um it it, it's very, uh, the things that were really good about it that makes it feel paramount, as you said, they obviously splurged a little bit more on special effects. It's sexy. Like it, it, the, the wide shots, yeah. um, that the visuals on the, the visual visuals, effects, like yeah. when they're not doing CGI, they, they are worse for wear because of the resolution of, of the time. Cause you know, we all have that whole harumph that of all the different series, for some reason, Voyager, they can't bring into 4K or whatever the, the resolution is, the high, the HD, um, 1080. But that being said, you're absolutely right, is when it comes to the special effects, they really took their time in making sure it looked as as pretty as possible. It felt like watching a like a sci-fi channel movie. 
Yeah, honestly. It had, it had that. It had the special guest director, yeah. right? Which, you know, um, Jordi LaForge is very beloved from the TNG franchise, I mean, the series, obviously. But not only did he direct it, but he also gets a little cameo, which is nifty. So they, they took extra steps to make this episode feel very special. Yeah. Very special. And and it's always a gift. And I think maybe that's why there is, maybe that's why the choice was made to have someone who has been in Star Trek take care of an episode like this yeah. because he knows how important it is to fans. He knows what chronology means to fans and he knows what the aesthetic of Star Trek is. Yeah. And you can see a lot of care was put into making this episode happen. And and for me, you know, again, I'm, I'm not a big uh, purveyor into what other, what other, um, hats that these different actors wear. This was a very, very great and awesome effort on LeVar. I was very impressed with the director. Yeah, the direction was great. The direction was really great. Like some of the, the whole frame, some of them were like very subtle, but the, the narrative was very, very easy to follow. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really impressive. And, and more importantly, I just thought it was such a great vehicle for, um, Garrett Wong, you know? Like, yeah, he actually got to act. He got to act the shit out of this he, episode. I mean, the, the big handicap with the Harry Kim character is that over the seven years of the, seas, of the series, um, he has to play a man-child. Yeah, pretty he, much. The whole time he's like, aw. He's like Tom Paris's little brother. He's mm-hmm. like everybody's little brother the whole time. We don't get to see grown man Harry. Yeah. Um, but we saw grown man Harry in this, and he is not nice. <laughs> And I think what's so poignant, actually, as you were making mention of it when we were talking about the end of this episode, is basically his transmission is like, you owe me one. And I think it's one of those instances almost, like for me, I guess, like if you're doing a lot of soul searching as a person, it's almost like your future you is like, you're going to be fine. I'm looking out for you. Like if you knew that your future was predetermined by your future self going, I got you. Yeah. That's pretty profound in the sense that, you you have enough you're looking out for yourself so and if you're ever feeling low know that you got yourself yes and the future saying like the future self saying you owe me one is a little bit of a pressure to be like make sure you're living correctly 100% you know to justify my existence or in this case <laughs> the existence non-existence non-existence yeah uh, yeah there's there's a um i want to collect my thought a little bit here cuz it's, it's important oh this thing happens multiple times in Voyager, by the way. I don't know if you've, like, okay, this particular thing where somebody in the future, spoiler alert, to the finale. Oh, 100% right? endgame? Yeah, this 100%. happens multiple times in, in Voyager, um, and there's other examples, I'm sure, where it's like a surviving member of Voyager in some kind of alternate reality, alternate timeline, whatever, um, devotes their entire life to saving well, a destroyed Voyager. Yep. Remember the pieces of Shattered where everybody's like, look, if you fuck this up, we're not all going to remember this ever, but we're going to go band together and do it. Right. End game, Janeway versus Janeway. We could argue Dreadnought. We haven't, I don't mm-hmm. think we've broached that one either, but twin Janeway versus twin Janeway. Yeah. It's, it's, I think the strength of this series, and I'm, I'm going to argue this to the very, very end. Voyager has always been a strong Trek series because um, of its hotness? Yeah, because of its hotness. Okay, good, thanks. <laughs> so, so basically, uh, the reason why I think Trek, uh, Voyager has always been a stronger Trek series is this, right? We know the whole thing about the, to boldly go, 
right? Yes. They're, the, go- they're going. The idea of exploration as being a loose premise for all of these series existing. There's like a, a thing with a lot of Trek series, which is not bad, which is very much the point, which is just that in the future... You know, exploration is a thing. Um, there are certain things like space stations that have one purpose, blah, blah, blah. Um, Voyager has, from the very beginning, from episode fucking one, mm-hmm. had a very, very clear objective. These people are lost, very <laughs> far away from home, and they're trying to get home. Yeah. It's not about, like, upholding Federation principles or, like, you know, acting on some lofty... Um, goal to explore and to not do a lot of harm to existing civilizations and blah, blah, civilizations and stuff. Um, it's very pointed. It's very direct. Yeah. And that's where you see a lot of these stories emerge where it's like, um, if the rest of the crew doesn't make it, the people that survive dedicate their entire lives to finishing the mission. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we've touched upon in other podcast episodes where there is the luxury that a lot of the other epi- a lot of the other episodes a lot of the other series have which is it's a go out come back that's easy they go out come back we finish the mission they go out for a couple of days they come back it's a long weekend what did we learn what and then we, we yeah exactly um these guys don't have the luxury of that they're forced in this situation and yes you can point fingers everybody does but at the end of the day the human condition is is so much greater in this situation the morality is so much greater and I think it's it it emblazons the camaraderie even more. And I think that's the gift of what this series is. But one of the things you mentioned, Jen, when we were actually watching the episode, which I thought was so interesting, is I think people also take for granted, which you pointed out, how this series in particular, if you hold it to canon, Voyager makes a lot more discoveries with Borg tech mm-hmm. than any of the other franchise uh, properties. Yeah, it... it um because because of the conditions under which this series advances, right? That they're in a quadrant that is unexplored. So by the time they get home, naturally they will have brought a lot back to the Star Trek universe in general. Yeah. And how that shifts everything. You know, like we see, I think, in Nemesis, right? The fact that um, Picard has to consult with Janeway because she's the leading expert on battling the Borg. She's the one that beat them. All right, it's so... so good. I'm going to be honest, you guys, given the fact that this took so long to put together, I don't know what our next episode is going to be. I don't oh, know. Oh, we didn't even talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what we want to do. We'll Whatever. figure it out. Look, guys, we'll, we'll figure it out. out. You know what? We'll, we'll receive a transmission for the from the future version of us that will tell us which episode we're supposed to do. Oh, my God. I hope. That's what's going to happen. I hope that she has longer hair than I have right now because it's taking forever to grow. And I hope mine has a mullet. Oh, my God. Me too, though. Okay. So we're going to have our red Sonia, Jennifer Zhang. And this is um, longer hair. Jacqueline Lopez signing off. You guys are great. I'm not very impressed with you, but whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> well, how do we usually sign off? That's, I think we just fade, blow up. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I think we just explode. Jordy LaForge, we're ready for our demise. <laughs> See you guys on the other side. Bye. Bye. <laughs>